Good morning, guys. Happy New Year to those I haven't seen since uh, a year ago, 2013. And as we uh, start off this new year, I'd like to begin by asking you a, a question, a really profound question, all right, really profound question. Here's the question. How many of you have done something really stupid in your life? Can I see your hands? All right. I'm not talking about just New Year's Eve. I'm talking about your entire life. You've done something really, really stupid. All right? Now, here's my next question. How many of you have done something really stupid when it comes to money? Can I see your hand? Don't raise your hand yet. Don't raise your hand yet. Some of you are just dying to raise your hand, all right? Maybe you bought a, a kitchen magician or an ab energizer. My son bought one of those. Or maybe you went to the Target after Christmas sale, you know, 70% off, 90% off, and you stood in line and you saw Ben Crosby, you know, White Christmas, three for the price of one, and so you bought all three. You're standing in line, you realize you don't even have a CD player anymore, all right? Or maybe you've made a bad investment, or maybe you kind of went hog wild with the, Christmas, with the uh, credit cards, you know, and now you're kind of upside down. How many of you have done something really stupid when it comes to money. Can I see your hand now? Raise your hand. All right, now keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. I want you to look around. Look around. Notice a lot of stupid people here this morning. All right, look around. Keep your hand up. Look around. Those who aren't raising their hand, apparently they have a problem with not telling the truth. So basically we're in a room today full of idiots and liars. So welcome to Palm Beach Community Church. You know, we've all done stupid things at times with our money, you know. We maybe trusted a friend, maybe we got scammed, there's a lot of scams in South Florida. Maybe we gave too much money to our kids, that's a stupid thing sometimes, right? Or maybe we bought something we couldn't afford and maybe we didn't save and plan well enough for the future. You know, we've all done stupid things in our lives and we've made stupid choices and decisions when it comes to money. And some of you are thinking right now, he's hung up on that word stupid. He's not supposed to say stupid in church, but, you know, it's, there's no better word. And we uh, played around a lot of other words, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the best word because that's really what it is. And those are the kind of mistakes we make. And when we make those mistakes, we live with the consequences. And when we are today where we are today because of choices that we made back then. And when we make stupid decisions financially, it affects us today. A matter of fact, because our world is so interconnected today, we are paying for the stupid financial mistakes of other people as well, as well as the banks. Well, we won't go there, okay? But we're very interconnected, very interconnected. And as we begin this new series, I don't claim to be an expert on uh, money management. I don't have a degree in high finance. And I, I don't believe for one minute that I have all the answers because I've made some stupid mistakes in my life when it comes to money, just like you've made some stupid mistakes. But what I've come to learn is that God is a whole lot smarter than me. Have you come to the place of, of learning that, that God is a whole lot smarter than you, you know? He's a whole lot smarter than us. And so the question is then, well, what does God say about money? I mean, if you, you take this book and you read it, what does it say about money? Money is such an important issue that God actually devotes 2,300, 2,300 Bible verses on the subject of money. 
on making money, earning money, saving money, spending money, giving money. 2,300 verses on the subject. Now, how many verses in the Bible you guess to say there is on the subject of, uh, of prayer? How many? 107, not bad. 275. 275 verses on prayer, 2,300 verses on money. How about how many verses do you think in the Bible on the subject of faith? Now, faith, you know, faith is kind of like at the epic center of our Christian experience. I mean, we're saved by faith. We're supposed to live by faith. We're supposed to run the church on faith. How many verses in the Bible on faith? Anybody want to guess? 407? Why seven? That was an interesting number. She, she has it down. She just Googled it that quick. Uh, 407, no, it's really 350. Uh, 350 verses on faith. How many verses on love? I mean, love is all we need, right? Isn't love all we need? Huh? All right, so, so how many verses on love? Uh, a little more. 650 verses on love. Jesus spoke more about money than he did about love. Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven and hell. According to Jesus, money is the most visible measurement of the condition of our hearts. It's the best outward management, uh, measurement of our inward spiritual maturity. How we make money, how we spend money, how we save money, how we give money is a deeply personal issue and it is a deeply spiritual issue. Now, why do you think God and Jesus put such a heavy emphasis in the Bible on the subject of money? Why? Because they're really smart, right? I mean, we've already established the fat, fact that we're all idiots, right, and liars. And God is very, very smart. And if we want to live a better life, we need to, like, listen to him a little bit more, right? Y'all with me? Can you nod your head a little bit? I can't see you, okay? I see it, all right. Um, and so, why, why does God do that? Because I think God knows that money and money-related issue causes more pain in our life than anything else. The stress of money you know, um, it splits more marriages, it alienates more friends, it motivates more crime, it stimulates more wrong behavior than anything else in the world. Married couples who have divorced, they say the number one cause of their divorce is what? Money. Money fights and money problems. Now, how many of you this morning are married? Can I see your hands? You're married? All right, how many, keep your hands up, or how, well, well, you can put it back down. How many, a lot, a lot of married people here. That's, that's a good thing. Uh, how many of you have been married uh, seven years, or you're on the seventh year or less? Can I, I see your hand? All right, quite a few of you. Keep it up. Can I get, ask you to stand up? That's really cool. Seven years or less. Stand up real quick. Let us applaud you. I think that's awesome, man. Come on, stand up. Don't be bashful. Those are great years. Both my boys are standing up. That's awesome. You may be seated. Now get this, in the first seven years of your marriage, many of you, lots of you recently married, that means you're still on the honeymoon. Within seven years, reminder of that, you're still on the honeymoon, okay? Um, and, and I know, Jan and I, we kind of look like we've only been married seven years, uh, but it's really going on 35 years. We started dating in, in pre-kindergarten, got married by kindergarten, age of five. You can do the math, figure that out. But those of you that have been married seven years or less, if you divorce, and we know none of you will never divorce, but, but if you're divorced, 90% of you would say the cause of the divorce is what? Money. 
Can you imagine that? 90%. I mean, this is such an important issue. And God is so concerned about it that God devotes and commits 2,300 verses in the Bible about this subject because of all the pain and problems that it produces in our lives. So today we're going to start a new four-part series. We're going to be studying kind of God's way of handling our money so we can live a better life, a life of hope for a brighter future. So life, money, hope. You got it? All right. So today... We want to talk about earning money ethically. We want to talk about making money, making more money, right? Um, and what I'd like us to do, I'd like us to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. You got your Bible, you can turn over there to Genesis chapter 1, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 1, Genesis 2, God creates the heaven, God creates the earth, and man, it's beautiful. He puts the moon out there, and it's just, it's magnificent. And then he creates Adam and Eve, and he places them in the garden setting. And you know, God could have said, man, I just want you to sit back and just enjoy my beautiful creation. But God didn't say that. God could have said, you know, I just want you to run around the garden, have fun. Pleasure yourself. Figure it out. You know, it's just you. In the garden, and you're naked, all right, you know? You know, God could have said, just, just have fun. But he doesn't say that. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, he, he says this. Now, remember, Genesis 2 is right before Genesis what? That's a really hard question. Okay, yeah. Genesis 2 is right before Genesis 3. And Genesis 3 is the, the fall of mankind, right? So this is before the consequences of the fall. This is before all that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Look what God said. He does this incredible creation deal, incredible universe deal. He puts them in the garden, and he tells them this. He tells them this. All right. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it. To work it and to keep it. God says, listen, I got a job for you to do. I want you to go to work. I want you to, create, to develop your creative skills and your abilities. I want you to become competent and able. I want you to work and to work hard in my garden and to help keep it in order. That's what I want you to do. I want you to get out the hoe or whatever this thing is and, uh, and go to work. Go to work. God says, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to do something constructive with your life. I want you to do something meaningful with your time. I want to develop your creativity and your competency. I want you to work the ground, to work in the garden, to keep it in order. He's saying, you know, Adam and Eve, you need to make some money. He's saying, get out of that cave and go out there and kill something and bring it back home. Go out there and blow something up, you know, and make something happen, knock something down. God wants each of us involved in meaningful human labor. It's part of God's overall financial and spiritual plan for our lives, for us to make money. Solomon put it this way. 
Solomon said, so I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. Wow. Earning money. Finding satisfaction in your job, a sense of fulfillment, achievement, confidence, competency, is from the hand of God. It's a gift from God. God wants you to earn money. God wants you to find fulfillment and joy in your job and your careers. Now, being very honest, um, you know, this is a hard lesson to teach our teenagers, right, parents? How many of you have teenagers at home, okay? Yeah, a lot of you do, and you know exactly what I'm talking about here. This is a hard lesson for them. You know, they would prefer if we let them just to mooch off mom and dad for the rest of our lives, right? I mean, that's what they, that's right. You know, they just like, they would like a, a mosquito. They'll just suck you dry. I mean, they'll just keep coming back and asking for more and more and more and more and more and more. And, and you think you want them to work? What's wrong with you? You want them to get out and do something? I mean, like work, you know? Um, and, um, and, and if we, they don't work, they never gain that sense of uh, competency and responsibility that having a job helps create in them. Matter of fact, one of the great life lessons I learned is about 12 years ago, I was driving around with Janelle. We went around to look at a bunch of different universities, and before we went, we had appointments all scheduled. I actually contacted several, three of the universities, and I had a sit-down hour meeting with two of the university presidents. And it was a great time, and I got a chance to talk with them, ask them some questions. And one of the things as a dad that I was wrestling with, my daughter getting ready to go to college, and, you know, how, how many hours should she be working, you know, while she's in school? Should she not work like a lot of her friends, you know, not working? And, you know, we'd have those conversations. And so as I sat down with those university presidents, uh, they shared with me consistently that every study done shows that kids that work 10 to 15 hours a week made better grades than those that did not work, that they were more responsible and disciplined. They also shared, one specifically shared, really two of them, talked about how they're seeing a trend that really alarmed them. One of the university presidents told me this was the first year, and the university's been there for I don't know how many years, the first year that the freshman class coming in, that the majority of them had never worked. And he said, hey, listen, Dr. Ray, they're the most irresponsible, emotionally immature students we've ever had. And he was correlating it to labor and the importance of making money and having a job and having a sense of responsibility. You see, having a good, consistent job helps you grow up. It's part of the parenting process. And, and mom and dad, sometimes we're just, we're just too soft on our kids, aren't we? When it comes to working and making money. I mean, we're working, but they're not working. And they're spending, and we're working. Something's wrong here, huh? Now, making money, what I'm trying to help you realize, biblically, it's, it's a good thing. But let's be clear. There's a wrong way to make money, and there's a right way to make money. There's our way to make money, and then there's God's way to make money. Right? And we've got to make a choice. We're going to do it our way or we're going to do it God's way. Our way often is the way of get rich quick. We want to make money as fast as we can with a little bit of effort. That's kind of like our way. God's way is honest, hard work. Can you say that with me? Honest, hard work. 
Our way is what? Get rich quick. God's way is honest hard work. Proverbs 13, 11 says this. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work does what? It grows. It grows and grows over time. See, you can take a short-term view of making money, get-rich-quick schemes, or you can take a long-term view of making money, hard work. Hard work persistence pays off. God says, listen, listen, don't take a short-term view. Take a long-term view. Proverbs 28, 19 says, He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of what? Poverty. And some of you, you need to kind of quit chasing fantasies. You need to just sit down, whatever job you got right now, and work it, and work it hard. People come to me all the time, I'm unhappy with my job, I want to find another job, and I always tell them the same thing. You do the best you can. You get in, you work hard, you give your employer the best that you got. And you keep doing that, the doors are going to open. Opportunities are going to come your way. But don't go to work every day saying, oh, I don't like my job, and I don't like this. You know what, you're going to stay right where you are. You're headed down. You got to choose to love your job. You got to choose to honor God in your job. You got to choose to give God your best. All right? So quit chasing fantasies. Proverbs 28 20 says this. This is good. Committed and persistent work does what? It pays off. Get rich quick schemes are what? Ripoffs. Isn't that good? Now, I think if we're honest this morning, and we've been honest already, right? We're all idiots and liars. Okay, uh, we've been honest, but, but most of us, we're all attracted to get-rich-quick schemes. You know, we, we like the idea, especially when the lotto gets way up there. I don't know what you call that thing, man. I mean, it is. You know, we're all attracted to get-rich-quick schemes and ways to double our money, you know, until we get ripped off. And then once we get ripped off, we, we kind of learn the hard way, right? So how, how many of you have been ripped off when it comes to your money? By someone who's ripped you off. Look at all that. Hold your hands up. Isn't it amazing? There's a lot of rip-offs out there. Um, and, you know, and, and it happened to me. Um, and I share this with you because this person is no longer in the church, and we're glad they're not. But um, some 20 years ago or whatever, a good friend and friend of the family, and he had an IPO, and he, he said, you know, Dr. Ray, you need to get in this IPO. And, man, people, you're going to double your money. And we got other people, my family, my friends. I've known this guy a long time. He kept calling, so you need to get in this IPO. You can double your money. So I said, all right. And I gave him $5,000. $5,000 back then when you're making about $40,000. That's a lot of money that we've saved up over the years. And I gave it to him, invest in this IPO. And sure enough, the day opens up, and boy, that stock goes up, and man, they're calling you, talking about it. But the next day, what happened? It sure comes tumbling right down. And I lost $4,000. And I learned my lesson the hard way. When something sounds too good to be true, it usually is, right? Why do we get suckered into get-rich-quick schemes? Why did I get suckered into a get-rich-quick scene to double my money? Let's call it what it is. We might not like it, but let's call it what it is. Why do we get suckered? Because of what? Greed. That's right, greed. It's our desire for more and more money. Proverbs 28, 22 says, A, what kind of person? A greedy person tries to get rich quick, but it only leads to poverty. I had to build back up again, you know? So our way is a way to get rich quick. God's way is honest, hard work. Our way is to live for pleasure, Instant pleasure. God's way is to live by discipline. So help me out there. Our way is what? Live for what? 
pleasure. God's way is to live by discipline. Now, pleasure is the way of instant gratification. I gotta have it. I gotta have it now. I gotta buy it now. Even if I can't afford it, I'll just put it on my card. I'll pay for it later. Proverbs 21, 17 says, man, you're addicted to thrills. What an empty life. The pursuit of of pleasure is never satisfied. Did you get that? The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. I love the way Isaiah put it. Isaiah asked, why do you spend your money on junk food? Dr. Ray, why are you buying lattes all the time, you know? Why why are you spending your money on junk food? Your hard-earned cash on what? Cotton candy. And what's cotton candy? It's just sugar spun up. It has no nutritional value. He's saying, why are you doing, why are you going to the South Florida Fair? It's like driving by and throwing out a hundred, couple hundred bucks as you drive by. Why are you doing that, you know? Why do you spend so much of our money on pleasures, lattes and shoes? My wife says, I have too many shoes. I have as much as she does, right? Lattes and shoes. You're looking at my shoes. They're new, a Christmas present, right? He's saying, why are you doing that? Why are you spending money on the things that don't ultimately satisfy our soul? Pleasure doesn't satisfy the deep longings of the human soul. Pleasure is the way of instant satisfaction. Discipline is the way of delayed gratification. It's saying no to our wants now for a greater, bigger payoff later. Proverbs 6 6 says this Take a lesson from the what? From the ants. You lazy bones. Learn from their ways and be, what's the word? Wise. What can we learn from a tiny little ant? You know what we learn from ants? It's the word delayed gratification. Look at verse 7. Even though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they have no boss looking over their shoulder, they labor, what's the word? Hard. They work hard. And they work hard all summer. Gathering food for the winter. I mean, they're out there trying to find your picnic. You know, they want to get some chicken you leave aside. And they take that chicken and they don't go eat that chicken. They take that chicken and they store it away. You see, summer is a time of economic prosperity. Always followed inevitably by winter. Summer follows winter. Economic prosperity follows economic scarcity. Economic adversity. And the little ant knows about economic cycles and the importance of being disciplined enough during times of prosperity to save, to live by discipline rather than by pleasure. And we need to give up some of the pleasures now for a better tomorrow. Life, money, hope. Now, I'm very grateful that I I had a father um, that really modeled this for me. As a little boy, I remembered, you know, wanting something and, and he would be like the bank and I'd give him part of my allowance and we would save and save and other money would come. We'd save and save and save and then I'd get my money, I'd get to go out and buy something and boy, I sure enjoyed it because I had to work so hard. I, he just didn't give it to me. I, I had to work for it. He was the banker and as I got older, he let me, I'd save and save and save. I'd keep, he'd be working with me and then I'd go out and buy something and I'm 55 years old and to the best of my memory, I have never bought a depreciating item on time. I always pay for it. If you use a credit card, I always pay it off. Never, never once. The only time I can think of is one time in Memphis some 30 years ago, we bought a washing machine and it took us two months to pay it off on the credit card. 
That's the only time I can, I can think of. And I learned that from my father. I learned this biblical principle that God's way of handling our money, which is called delayed gratification. And the Apostle Paul taught the same thing to his son in the faith, a guy by the name of Timothy. Paul said this, and we're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. What are sinful pleasures? Lattes and shoes. That's what he's talking about here, okay? Uh, Sinful pleasures. And we should live in this evil world with what? That's lame. We should live in this evil world with what? Self-control. Say it again. Self-control. Right conduct. Devotion to God. Man, man's way, our way is to kind of live for pleasure. God's way is to live by discipline. Now, can I just kind of like take a time out here, pause? The purpose of the series is not to make anybody in here to feel guilty. That's not our purpose. We don't try to do guilt here at Palm Beach Community Church. And that's not my heart. We've all are idiots, right? And liars. We've already established that fact. And a lot of you have made a lot of financial mistakes when it comes to delayed gratification. You know, let go of the past. Learn from the past. Now let's move forward. Let's live with hope. Let's begin, begin to be in 2014 good stewards. Let's become more financially responsible with the blessings and the stuff we have. Let's learn to say no to things so we'll have more for the future because, you know, economic scarcity is going to come again. And during times of plenty, we need to begin storing up and get ready for what's going to come our way. All right? So man's way, God's way. Uh, Our way is to love money. God's way is to love what? People. Say that with me. Our way is what? Love money. God's way is to love people. All right, thank you. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, those who love money will what? Never. Man, I love that. Never, ever. They will never have enough money. And that is true. People that love it, they're consumed with it, they never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true, lasting happiness. Now, money's fine. You know, you get a bonus, you get a check, it feels good. But it doesn't bring lasting happiness. Now, this is coming from a guy that was loaded. I mean, this is coming from a fat cat named Solomon. I mean, he was the richest dude around. And he learned this lesson from life himself, that money in and of itself does not satisfy the deep longings of the human soul. The deep longing of your soul and my soul is to love, it's to connect, it's to connect with God, it's to love and connect with other people. And if we're not careful, money will keep that from happening. See, what happens when we love money too much? What happens when when you love money too much? You know what happens? It always happens. You hurt other people. You lie, you cheat, you steal, you twist the truth, twist the truth, you twist the truth, and in the process, you hurt other people. Now I got spit all over my notes. I can't even read what I got on here. Oh, me and my problems. What happens when we love money too much? We become workaholics. And we work, 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 work to kind of, to, you know, to demonstrate our worth and our value, to kind of prove ourselves. And in the process, we end up hurting those we love the most, our spouse and our kids. Bruce Springsteen, you've heard of him? Kind of like the Apostle Paul? 
Got to wipe this off. Oh, man, now I've totally lost my page. I don't know where we are. We're going to have to start over. Bruce, there's Bruce. All right, Bruce. Bruce said this. Poor men want to be what? Rich. Rich men want to be kings. And kings aren't happy until they own. Bruce is saying, man, those who love money will never have enough. Truth. Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, I love this verse. He says, no one can serve two masters. Now, the word serve here comes from the Greek word doulos. It means to be a slave to. He's saying, listen, you can't be a slave to two different masters. For you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you can be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he sums it up and he says what? Read it with me. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, he doesn't say here that you will not. He says you cannot. It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility to truly serve God and serve your money. You see, when you love God and you serve God, you use your money to serve other people. When you love your money, you use God and you use other people to serve you. It's all about you and what you want. You see, at the very heart of God is this deep, passionate love for people. And you can't serve other people when you love your money. Because you always have your best interest at heart, not them. So our way is to kind of love our money. God's way is to love people. And we've seen this problem, this servant problem, this slave problem. It's gone on for generation after generation after generation. I mean, think with me. Hundreds of years ago, what drove the slave market? I mean, Americans, settlers, would sail across the ocean, go to Africa, find some father of a young family, and steal that father away from his family, put him in the bottom of some ship, bring him over here, bring him to America, and then sell him to the highest bidder. What in God's name would make people do such a horrific thing? What's the answer? It's the love of money. The love of money. And what drives the drug trade today? Why would men and women take drugs and sell them to middle schoolers? I mean, what in God's name would make people do such a horrific thing? The love of money. And what, what drives pornography? What drives the sex trafficking today? I mean, how can men do unspeakable acts on film to someone's daughter, someone's daughter, and then distribute it around the world? How can dads and even moms sell their own kids to a sex trafficker. And you can say, yeah, they're poor. It's more than that. It goes back to greed. It goes back to this love for money. What in God's name makes people do such horrific things? The love of money. See, when you love your money, you hurt other people. And you live for yourself. But when you love God, you love other people. And you use your money to serve them. The Apostle Paul gave us this warning in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, people who long to be rich. Now, who's the people he's talking about? 
Is he talking about rich people? No. Talking about poor people? No, he's talking about every people. All of us. All right? People who long to be rich, they fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. They become liars and idiots like us, okay? Why? What's the last part? Let's read it together, can we? For the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. Now, please get this. Money is not at the root of evil. Is that what it says here? Does it say money is at the root of evil? What's the answer? No. It's the love of money that's at the root. Money is not evil. Money is not evil. Money is a neutral. Money is, it can be used in a good way or a bad way. Money is a lot like our human emotions. Take like the emotions of anger. Anger can be a good emotion. Anger can be a bad emotion. Anger is just, it's neutral. It's an emotion. It's how we respond and what we do with our anger determines if it's good or bad. Sometimes anger motivates us to change. We get mad at ourselves. You know, we go back to school, whatever the case may be. Anger can be good. Anger can be bad. It's what we do with it. Same thing with money. Money is a neutral. It's the love of money that's so evil. Now, people who have money and have lots of money, according to this verse, are they evil? Absolutely not. Just because you have money doesn't mean you love it. Just because you have lots of money doesn't mean you're obsessed with it. Some people are rich because they're just good at what they do. I mean, they're really good, and they work really hard, and they're being blessed. And then hopefully some people that are rich and are blessed, they take that money and they leverage it and they use their money to serve other people rather than just serve themselves. You know, providing jobs and opportunities, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's the love of money that's so evil. And it's so evil because it hurts and harms other people. And God loves people. One day, Jesus was walking around, and he comes across this guy, this very wealthy man by the name of Zacchaeus. Matter of fact, he climbed up a tree. He was a short little fat cat, you know, and he's up in this tree. He's a rich guy. He's a tax collector, and he's been involved in get-rich-quick schemes that have worked, you know, and he's been ripping people off, you know, and he's been benefiting from it, and he's been lining his own pockets, and he's been living for pleasure and for greed, and Jesus comes walking along. He comes across this wealthy tax collector and the people think Jesus is going to give this guy the riot act. He's going to throw the book at him. And Jesus comes up to this guy and he says, let's do lunch. And Zacchaeus says, lunch? You want to do lunch with the likes of me? And says, yeah. Jesus says, let's do lunch. Now the people standing around, they were shocked. They were upset that Jesus would do lunch with a scumbag like Zacchaeus. And why did Jesus do lunch with Zacchaeus? Why? Because what? God loves people. God loves liars and God loves idiots. God loves every single person. God loves people. God doesn't love money. God loves people. And so Zacchaeus invites Jesus over to his house. They sit down, they have lunch. And they're talking, and we don't know exactly what took place, but I bet you Jesus said something like this. He says, Zacchaeus, I want to set you free from your love of money. I want to set you free from this lie that you've been believing, that if you'll just make a little more money, then you're going to be happy. 
Zacchaeus, I want you to come to realize that, that God loves you and I love you and I want you to love me and I want you to use your money to serve other people. Zacchaeus, I want you to give me your heart, to put your faith and trust in me and start doing life God's way and not your way. Zacchaeus thinks about it. He takes Jesus up on it. And the next we see Zacchaeus coming out and he's telling his family and friends about this transformational experience that he had by Jesus. And we saw that Jesus and he, Zacchaeus' heart really did change because now Zacchaeus has taken his books and he's opening them up and the people that he stole from, he took too much money from them, he went and he paid them back. And he begins to, to help the less fortunate. You see, God changed his heart. And by changing his heart, it changed his love. No longer was Zacchaeus driven by money. He was driven by love. And this morning, God wants to change your heart. God wants to change our hearts. But it begins with a choice. It begins with the choice that we make to live life and do life God's way rather than our way. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Jesus Christ can break the addictive power of money in your life, right now, right now, if you put your faith and trust in him. Can you pray right now and say, God, God, I give you my heart. Save me. Help me. Help me to break the addictive power of money in my life. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my life. Change me. I believe that he was God's son. He died for me. Can we all pray right now? Can you pray right now just quietly to yourself? God, I choose this day to earn money your way. I choose this day to earn money your way. God, help me to work hard. Help me to be honest. Help me always to do the right thing when it comes to money. God, Help me to live by discipline and delayed gratification. Can you pray that this morning? God, help me to live by discipline and delayed gratification, not by pleasure. God, help me to say no to get-rich-quick schemes. God, help me not to love my money, but to love people, and to share my money with others, to do all the good I can in this world, God, I pray this morning that you will help us to use our money to serve you, to serve other people. God, help us to be busy and working hard for your kingdom. Give us generous hearts. Change our hearts. Change our attitude. God, we want to live a life of hope, a life of purpose and meaning. And that happens when we make the hard choices. God, help us this year, 2014, to make those choices, to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.